May, June, July, I'd like to bring some lessons on the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Does the Bible have anything to do with the Dead Sea Scrolls or vice versa? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? So tonight and uh, maybe a little bit uh, next week, I want to do some introductory material. And then we're going to get into the contents of the Dead Sea Scrolls and um, what they say and what value are they for us today. Are they of any value at all? And what, uh, what, does the, what do the Dead Sea Scrolls have to do with the Bible? Um, and we'll look at some life and times as well. A lot of material, a lot of books have been written about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And um, there's constant discoveries every day, every week, every month, because they have not had a chance to examine all of the fragments or all of the scrolls. It is a wealth of material. And so biblical scholars in Israel and in other places in the world will continue to release information about these Dead Sea Scrolls. In fact, their examination will go on for dozens and dozens and dozens of years. But let's go back and let's take an introductory look at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Obviously, when we talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were discovered in the area of the Dead Sea. (laughs) That's kind of obvious, but where? Well, let me point out a few things. This is Qumran that we'll talk about tonight. This is where a majority of the scrolls were discovered. Some were discovered in other caves in En Gedi, and even some were discovered at Masada. So there were a number of other locations uh, inland in this, these Judean hills and these caves where these Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Not all of them were discovered at Qumran, which is here in relationship to Jerusalem and Jericho, but this is the northern end of the Dead Sea. And then, of course, this is Jordan on this side of the Dead Sea. So when you take another look at a, at a map, you can kind of see its relationship is right at the edge of the Dead Sea. We'll show you some pictures. And we're going to look at some archaeology, but not all the things that we'll discuss will be of the nature of archaeology. A lot of it will be biblical. And what do the Dead Sea Scrolls say? This is the area. As you can see, the northern end of the Dead Sea up here, if you can see it at all. But these are the Judean hills. This is the very arid area where they were discovered. Many of you have been there. Many of you have have walked the area of Qumran. It's not a big archaeological site at all. Not near as big as as other archaeological sites. But it is located at the northern end of the Dead Sea. Dr. Bryant Wood, who has excavated for many, many years, who uh, excavated at, um, at AI, at Jericho, and other places. What is the most important archaeological discovery to date? According to this renowned archaeologist, probably the Dead Sea Scrolls have had the greatest biblical impact. They have provided Old Testament manuscripts approximately 1,000 years older 
than our previous older manuscripts. The Dead Sea Scrolls have demonstrated that the Old Testament was accurately transmitted during this interval. In addition, they provide a wealth of information on the times leading up to and during the life of Christ. Give us an insight to some of the things and the culture during the time that Christ walked the earth. Qumran in the Hebrew, also in Aramaic up there, Kerbet Qumran simply means ruins. Kerbet means ruins, archaeological ruins. It's an archaeological site in the West Bank managed by the Israel Qumran National Park. Now, it is in the West Bank. Now, that means it is in Palestinian territory. Uh, but it's very friendly territory, and there's no conflicts in this area. It is located on a dry moral um, plateau. In other words, the word moral means at one time it was flooded because the Dead Sea was much higher, much higher, uh, many, many years ago than it is now. Actually, uh, it, a mile from the northern, northwestern shore of the Dead Sea, near this Israeli settlement, there, this kibbutz. Let's look at some very basic facts about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Number one, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered between 1947 and 1956. That's the bulk of them. It's not all of them. In fact, just recently, it says here, 11 caves. That's exactly right. But just in the last two years, cave number 12 was discovered. They, find, they did not find any scrolls at cave number 12. Uh, when, they just, when they found this cave, but they did find evidence that the scrolls were stored there. What did they find? Well, they found some wrappings of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They also found some of the tools that the thieves left when they ran quickly out of that cave with those scrolls and those fragments. But basically, 11 caves by five Bedouins, six by archaeologists on the upper northwest shore of the Dead Sea. The area is 13 miles east of Jerusalem. Notice this fact. Jerusalem is 2,400 feet above sea level, and Qumran is 1,300 feet below sea level. The Dead Sea is 1,330 or 40 feet below sea level. So just in 13 miles, you go from 2,400 feet above to 1,300 feet below. And you drop very, very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, it's like when you leave Jerusalem, like many of you know. When you leave, you're on grass, and it's like they've drawn a line in the sand, and immediately you're in the Judean desert. Near the caves are the ancient ruins of Qumran, which are ex were excavated, of course, in the early 50s, and appears to be connected with the scrolls. Still lots of questions about this site and who lived there, what did they do, and about the scrolls. The scrolls appear to be a library of a Jewish sect which was hidden away in caves around the outbreak of the Jewish-Roman War. We talked a little bit about this several months ago. Archaeological evidence indicates the settlement had been inhabited since about 150 BCE, before the Common Era. Now this sect 
has most often been identified with the ASEANs, E-S-S-E-N-E-S, who are, of course, mentioned by the historian Josephus. A lot of the information that we have is coming from Josephus, uh, the early uh, Jewish historian, and are in few other and a few other sources, but are not in the New Testament. There were and in, uh, they were intensely messianic, apocalyptic, wilderness type New Covenant group led by a priest. The priests they called the teacher of righteousness. That's recorded in these fragments and these scrolls who was opposed and possibly killed by the established priesthood in Jerusalem. The scrolls so far discovered represents a library of over 900 documents, representing as many as 350 separate works in multiple copies, many of which are represented only by fragments. We're going to show you some pictures. Some of you may have gone to Mobile or to Huntsville in the last 10 years because I know they had them on display here in the state of Alabama. Some of the fragments. And you saw them in a frame on the wall and they were like this big, some of them, just a few inches long. So Cave 4, which rendered a majority of these Dead Sea Scrolls and fragments, contained 520 texts and 15,000 fragments, period. This library contains copies of the Scripture. The Isaiah Scroll, copies of other non-canonal books known to us, such as Enoch, and holy writings, which the group itself produced, rules of faith, commentaries on scripture, and many other fascinating works otherwise known to us. In cave three, there was one copper scroll that was found. One copper scroll, one of a kind, which contained a list of 64 hiding places where gold, silver, sacred objects, and other scrolls were hidden. Let me make a... a statement about the Isaiah scroll. If you go to Jerusalem and you go to the museum there in Jerusalem, it is shaped like a scroll with the, with the end of it and then going up. Many, many of you have been there. And when you go in that narrow walkway there, you'll see the continuation of the scroll and all around this glass enclosure is the Isaiah scroll. True, not true, (laughs) it is a copy, the real original copy of the Isaiah scroll, and I know this for a fact, is in the basement of that museum, and there's only been one person, dignitary from the United States, that I've read about that has seen that, and that was President Bush. So there is an Isaiah scroll, the original that they found in the cave, in the basement, preserved, under lock and key and top security, I'm sure. But the one you see is simply a replica. The major intact text here from Caves 1 and 11 come into Israeli hands and were published by uh, the late 1950s. They are now in the Shrine of the Book Museum that I just told you about in Jerusalem. The bulk of the scrolls 
were in Jordanian control. Jordan controlled this area and were placed with a team of mostly Catholic, no Jewish scholars, who over the next four decades published eight volumes of material. The team was left intact by the Israelis after the Six-Day War in 1967 when the Israelis drove the Jordanians out of Israel, out of Jerusalem. They had built homes right up against the Western Wall. I'm sure some of you are familiar with that story. It's easy to read. The uh, publication schedule was constantly delayed. And many outsiders found the official team to be arrogant and unyielding. The team was expanded in the 1980s and was much more broadly based, finally including Jewish scholars and a more open approach to sharing the material. As much as 40% of the scrolls, mostly fragments from Cave 4, remained unpublished and unreleased until a lot of pressure mounted in the 1980s. You may have remembered reading about it. A huge uproar because religious groups wanted to see these scrolls, wanted to see the fragments, but they kept controlling this and controlling this and not releasing this to the general public. But in, 19, in the fall of 1991, a breakthrough occurred. The photos were published by the Biblical Archaeological Society in a non-official edition. A computer reconstruction based on a concordance was announced. The Huntington Library pledged to open their microfilm files uh, of all the scrolls uh, that were photographed. So, after that hoopla, they finally began to release more and more. And now, there's a lot that's still coming forward. The scrolls are of great interest to both uh, Jews and to us as New Testament Christians. They represent uh, the, the non-rabbinical form of Judaism and also contain many important parallels to Jesus, to the Jesus uh, of the Bible and his teachings. There is a lot of parallel when you read these scrolls, there are some parallel when you read the teachings of Jesus in here, like the Sermon on the Mount, for example, and others. And we'll go through some of those. Uh, finally, interpretations of these materials with the newly released scrolls fully factored in remains open. Point number 11. Scrolls related to those found in the caves around Qumran were also found at Masada, Uh, the Herodian fortress, of course, of Masada, uh, that Herod built, taken over by the Jewish zealots after the fall of Jerusalem in in 70 CE, and finally taken by the Romans in 73. Also, they found a piece of pottery recently, in 1996, a piece of Oscar Khan, a piece of pottery that was inscribed containing 16 line letters written in 68 CE by someone giving their property over to the community was discovered at the site of Qumran in 1996. Such was the discovery of a group of manuscripts which were a thousand years older than the the oldest known Hebrew text of the Bible. Manuscripts, many of which were written more than a hundred years before the birth of Christ. So these excite people. These excite me. These manuscripts would excite the world of archaeology. 
it would, they would excite uh, and, and, and drive many people to delve into the study of these Dead Sea Scrolls when they were discovered and provide a team of translators with a gigantic task that even to this day has not been completed and it may not be completed in my lifetime or even yours because there are so many. Here's a picture of one of the Israeli archaeologists working in the caves there. They're discovering more than just the Dead Sea Scrolls. He has there in his hand a, a pot dating back before uh, the days of Jesus. Great archaeological find. Looks like it's completely intact. Also finding there, of course, a lamp. You can see this uh, sort of, this is a more of a New Testament lamp uh, with the spout here and then the rest of it remaining down here, probably still uh, having some damage to it. And here are some tourists walking around Qumran and walking around the archaeological site. And in the background, we'll show you a close-up of some of the caves in just a moment. Cave Fort Qumran, like we said, is approximately 15,000 fragments from some seven, 574 manuscripts that were found in this is cave four. You can see this from the highway. My first trip in 2006 that I was privileged to take to Israel, we were running so late that day, we had been to Masada, come up through on the highway, and been to En Gedi. En Gedi is where David hid from Saul. Dead seas across the, across the road. Uh, and then En Gedi has these caves, all fresh water. And that's where David hid from Saul, that's where he found Saul asleep and cut the hem of his garment. We, after we visited those areas, we came up to Qumran, and it was so late, they were closing. And so I was able to take a picture, this is not the picture, but I took a picture of this cave four from the highway, from the window of the bus. And it wasn't until a few years later when I was able to go back that we actually went to Qumran. This is the well-known cave four. Here's a Another picture of it from a distance. You can see how rugged this is. This, of course, area here, this is what you call a dry riverbed or a wadi. Uh, when it rains in Israel during, uh, from about um, November to about March, uh, the rains rain so much that it comes down through these, through these uh, uh, gullies or these uh, wadis. And many times there's a, there's a bridge not too far from Qumran and just about every year, every other year, it rains so much, it washes the bridge away. They build it back the best they can, but the torrents of rain and the force of that water just completely overtakes a lot of things down in this area. Because it's coming down rapidly, 2,400 feet, below sea level, 1,300 feet. Here's another close-up of that cave. Not allowed to go up in there today. You can go near it, walk up near it, Archaeologists, of course, are permitted with special permission and policies are in place uh, and so forth. Here's a typical jar that the Dead Sea Scrolls were stored in. They're, they're clay jars, um, very simple, have a small base to them so they can set and just a straight uh, jar where the scroll could fit and then, of course, the lid. And if you go to the uh, Qumran uh, there at the, at the site, there's a bookstore there, all kinds of souvenirs and, and books of all sorts that are, and, and good, good prices and so forth. And you can buy these little jars about this high and have one as a miniature. But they would stand about 
about uh, not quite as high as this pulpit here, as a stand. So the scrolls would fit down in there. Remember, they've been in there since before the time and during the time of Christ, over 2,000 years. But it's so arid and it's so dry. They were well preserved. Now, when you go to Qumran, this is the, one of the first things that you'll see. The secret of Qumran, as you enter this area, they'll show you a little film, then you can walk around and see the ruins. Well, I think it was in 2008 that um, Dr. Manor, myself, Dr. Wheeler, uh, were visiting Qumran. We had been down to Elat, the southernmost city in, Jerusalem, in uh, Israel, and we were coming back up that afternoon to head back to Jerusalem. Uh, the dig at Bet Shemesh had not started yet. It didn't start till Sunday. Uh, this was on a, a Saturday. And so we drove to Qumran, went through, and uh, were able to, uh, to see the sites. And here are some of the things that you would see. Not everything, but this is a uh, mikvah or a ritual water. These are steps. This is a purifying area where the priest and, and the people that were copying and writing, ink wells have been found. This is where they would purify themselves in this, air, in this uh, uh, sunken area here where the water uh, would be. It would be a ritual bath as it states here uh, on the sign. Ritual bath and is written in Hebrew as well. You'll also look down a little further. And you'll see um, a cistern where water was collected. And so you can walk along the sides here and look down and take, take as many pictures as you wish. And then there would be a, an area where they would have a kiln um, that was used, of course, to fire the pottery utensils manufactured in, uh, in the potter's workshop. And that's what a drawing of it looks like. And then here is the remains after they have... Uh, excavated this area, this would have been the kiln uh, there at, um, at Qumran. And then you would have other things like this area here uh, with the sign and so forth. It's simply the, the storage room where they would store the pottery uh, that they made and uh, sometimes they would uh, obviously would store the scrolls there. But when the, revolu- not revolution, when the revolt started, uh, they hid them away from the Romans and they put them in those caves. Here's a, another picture of it, and here's the highway that leads uh, away from Qumran, a very desolate area, Dead Sea over here, uh, and very warm, well over 100 degrees in that, um, in that heat. Then, of course, they would have things along the way as what the whole site would have looked like. They have a drawing here, and they have things marked and listed over here, and you can bring these things up sometime. Uh, this is a reconstruction of Qumran during the Second Temple period. And um, you can kind of see what, what took place there. We'll look at some of these things a little bit later. We went to Qumran that afternoon with Dr. Manor, Dr. Wheeler. We drove up and we saw a bus. And we saw some people that we knew. And one of the people that was there was our own Barry Buford. And there's Barry right here. And that's me. Someone took a picture of us. This is when Martel Pace took the group over. Many of you remember that. Like it was back in 2008. <clears throat> I knew as an adult, and even as a child, 
that I cannot run away from the Lord. But I thought I could get away from Martel Pace. Well, I proved myself wrong. Not only did we see him here at Qumran, when we stayed in the Seven Arches Hotel there in Jerusalem, you come out and you have this beautiful area where you can walk and look out over the city of Jerusalem. And what do you see? See another bus pull up, just like the one you saw the day before. And who's on the bus but Barry and the rest of them? Martel Pace, again, two days in a row. Can't get away from Martel Pace. At least I couldn't back then. He tracked me down. Anyway, thought that was kind of interesting. Here you see the Dome of the Rock back here. Great view. People visit this area all the time. But anyway, this is what some of the discoveries look like. This is a discovery of a Dead Sea Scroll. And you can see it laying there in the, uh, in the soil. And you can see how it's still curled up a little bit and curled this way. Very, very fragile, obviously. Here's another one. Here's another picture of the same one right here. So not all of them were found in jars. Some of them were found out of those jars and so forth. This is a very tedious task as archaeologists and scholars try to read the scrolls. This perhaps was part of the uh, Isaiah scroll because it was found in its entirety, but it's a very painstaking job to sit there for hours and hours on end deciphering and reading and recording these Dead Sea Scrolls. Of the scrolls found, about a quarter, about 220 in all, are books of the Hebrew Bible of what we call the Old Testament. All the books, in fact, except for two, Esther and Nehemiah, have never been discovered. The common, most common book that was found, two of them, Psalms and Deuteronomy, found more of those recorded than did any in the Old Testament at all. Esther, if you'll know in the book of Esther, the word God or Lord is never mentioned. Is that the reason none of it has been ever found? We don't know. Unanswered question. There was a piece of the book of of, uh, Nehemiah found, but it was found not at Qumran, it was found at another site. Just a small piece. So those are the two that were not really found at all, except for that one little bit of, Deuteronomy, of, of Nehemiah. And Psalms and Deuteronomy are the most ones that have been, books that have been discovered. Here's a picture of part of the Leviticus scroll found at Qumran. In pieces, now these are very small pieces. And, and um, you can see the writing in Hebrew uh, on these scrolls. A lot, so of course, some deterioration has occurred, but a lot of information is still recorded there. A lot of information. This fragment preserves part of the book of Nehemiah, chapter two, verse thirteen through chapter through chapter two six uh, two thirteen through sixteen. It is now in the museum of the of the Bible, a four hundred thirty square foot museum under construction near. Uh, the capital of Washington, D.C. I understand now it is complete. You can go to Washington, D.C., and you can go through this uh, Bible museum 
it is open now. You can go through this Bible museum and examine some of the scrolls and all sorts of things. Uh, some of you may have already been there. There is a priest that is there every day. That priest will come from Israel and stay for weeks or months at a time. and he, His job is to be there every day in this museum. And one of the priests happened to be from the area of Bet Shemesh, where we've had the privilege of uh, participating in, in six archaeological digs. That's my understanding. The fragment describes the return of a man named Nehemiah to Jerusalem after the city has been sacked by the Babylonians. He finds that the city gates have been uh, scorched by fire. That's what that scroll says. Nehemiah. Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. This picture is also a picture of a scorched scroll, hard to read, but nevertheless very small. This fragment is now in the Museum of the Bible Collection, preserves part of the book of Genesis. Part of the book of Genesis. It tells part of the story of Jacob, a patriarch who, according to the Bible, the Israelite people, of course, are descended from. So, interesting. Another scroll, fragment that we have here. This is a fragment of the book of Micah. Micah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, which is now in the Museum of the Bible. It describes a punishment that will be inflicted on Judah for the sins of Jacob. Part of the text reads, The valleys will be split open like wax before the fire, like water poured down a slope. Here's another piece of a scroll. Now, they have to use infrared devices to read some of these, obviously. It takes more than just a magnifying glass. Here they are doing some sifting there at Qumran, uh, sifting outside uh, there on the side of the hills and so forth. Uh, near the Dead Sea, and um, very dusty, but you find a lot of fragments, a lot of information there. One of the things that was found was a uh, carnelian seal. We'll stop after this. Uh, It's a semi-precious stone, and it was a very important find. Uh, It came from Crete, from the Middle Minoan to Late Minoan period. Those are the dates. And look at this beautiful stone, a little seal. You can see it, and you can see the inscriptions. Here, three lines, here, three, here, three, and here, three. And you can see how small it is in this individual's hand. Very important find, because that helps archaeologists to date the site. A lot of interesting finds, even at Bet Shemesh, whether it's Qumran or other places, things that you can find depending on the layers that you're in, that will help date the site. Because you remember when I, the AI or the I uh, artifacts were here, some 65 in our library back in 2016, there was a, 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 scro- a scarab that was found, an Egyptian scarab that was found there at I. It was on display here. It's only about as big as your thumb, thumbnail. And uh, on it was written about uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt. Amenhotep IV, and that helped date the site of Ai, or I, 
that Joshua had to conquer, of course, twice. We'll stop at this point in time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. It was trans, and it shows the transmission of the text has been translated accurately. That's exactly right, Mike. Very good. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the discussion. Thank you for our visitors. Thank you for the Bible. Help us to be more familiar with it than any book in the world, for we're going to be judged by your eternal truth. Continue to bless us, fathers. You see that we need it. Help us to remember so many that are in need of our prayers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll continue next week. Thank you.